That's a difference between consuming all the incredible energy you have uh, at the earlier stages of a career uh, from why why it ends up in midlife crisis for so many people. And so actually a majority of people, if you know your why, you're much more likely to, to get through all those ups and downs in a very, very, uh, in a way that you stay whole and, and satisfied. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 43 of Business Therapy, a show about helping real professionals solve real business problems. Every week, we invite a guest onto the show to help guide them through the normal pains and setbacks of working through their career. Using a mindfulness-first approach, we help our guests find conscious solutions and help give them the tools to take on challenges that inevitably pop up during the ups and downs of business. I'm Sam Joshak, and as always, I'm here with Jonathan Adams. Today on the show, we have Tobias Noyes. Welcome to the show, Tobias. Hey guys, thanks for having me. So why don't we start by uh, you telling us a little bit more about yourself, your business, and how we can help you today. Sure. So my name is Tobias. And when I was 16 or 17, my mom purchased a small business. It was a driving school. And she was gracious enough to let me help her out with the operations. And very quickly, I kind of fell in love with the idea of running a business. And so that in my mind as I went off to college. During my junior year internship, I worked at Marlboro Red doing brand management, working on their coupon strategy. And the juxtaposition between working at a you know Fortune 100 company and being a little bit of a cog in a machine compared to working at a small business was pretty stark. And although corporate America is great, and I'm sure it, you know, it's excellent for a lot of different people, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do long-term. And so I went back to college during my senior year. And I thought, okay, well, let me see if I can start something. Uh, it was sort of like a side hustle. And so I decided to start a web development and digital marketing company. It grew pretty well over that year at college. Um, it wasn't at a point where it was financially stable, where I could just do it full-time. So I worked part-time at a tech, co tech company doing sales. And then I ran my company part-time as well. After a year of that, I went full-time for myself. And I think that was, I guess, four years ago at this point, three or four years ago. We started um, kind of holistically as the full-fledged agency, um, but really over the past year or two, we've focused on search engine marketing. So SEO as well as Google ads. Um, and that's sort of been our bread and butter for the past couple of years. Very recently, we've expanded into no-code, low-code automation, which is just a very easy way for small businesses to begin harnessing the power of automation without having to hire a dev team. And we use software like Zapier and Make and Airtable and things like that. Um, so that's sort of the background. Um, I can go into the problem, if that makes sense, or we can dig deeper into the background, whatever is best for you guys. No, thank you for uh, the background. Yeah, let's go ahead and, and what are you bringing onto the show today? Sure. So we have historically brought on clients really via two methods. One is inbound marketing. You know, we're an SEO company, so that is a, a funnel. Another way is referral-based, but something that we've tried and done so ineffectively is outbound sales. The way in which we've predominantly run our campaigns has been email. Um, we're pretty focused on targeting people within a specific you know, persona, um, historically University of Virginia graduates that are in top level leadership with company headcounts between 11 and 50. So we use LinkedIn Sales Navigator to identify those 
targets. We run automations to scrape all those emails, clean them, and then we write customized emails to those various contacts saying, hey, can we get on a discovery call, et cetera. Now, although it's hyper-personalized and um, pretty effective in regards to getting people on the call, um, it hasn't been exceedingly effective in closing. And my suspicion is that SEO is a little bit of a commodity and it's very difficult to differentiate an SEO firm. And if a company doesn't need an SEO firm, then they're not going to hire you. So it's very different than like a niche piece of software that handles a very specific pain point. If you can find companies within that pain point and say, hey, look at us, we can solve your problem. It's great. SEO seems to be a little bit different. So my question in a nutshell is how do you differentiate a product that's a commodity with inherently low differentiation in order to effectively launch a outbound sales campaign? Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure that's a question that a lot of people have, not only across, you know, the product that you're saying, which is still pretty relevant for a lot of people, but also just generally, it's it's a great question about how do you differentiate a commodity? Because again, you know, inherent in the question is the conventional wisdom of, well, if it's starting to become commoditized, you want to differentiate, you want to make it something that you can sell um, so that it's not. But I mean, I would start by by just asking in terms of SEO as a commodity, I want to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on it because it's an interesting it's an interesting topic and maybe you could even go into a little bit more about what SEO is for our audience who might not be as familiar but you know I think a lot of times people have trouble thinking about digital products or services especially when they're wrapped up in consulting as a commodity you know unlike what you think of you know as a traditional maybe fixed product commodity so maybe just give us a little bit more about your your perspective on why are you considering your seo offering a commodity and what does this market look like sure it's an excellent question i can provide a little bit more clarification so first regarding seo uh, or search engine optimization that in essence is the systematic approach of helping your website appear higher on google searches that's not to be confused with Google ads, which is at the very top of the listing, but you have to pay Google every time a user clicks on it. This is more about identifying keywords. What are users typing into Google? What content doesn't exist? And then how can we write content, publish it in the form of a blog in order to drive users to our clients' websites, ultimately for the sake of driving conversions. So that's what SEO is um, in a nutshell. Regarding differentiation, it's a pretty streamlined product offering. You do keyword analysis, you write blogs, you procure backlinks, and you make sure the back end of the website is taken care of. If you can do it, companies don't really care how you do it as long as you generate users. And the reality is that there are a lot of digital marketing companies and most of them do their job pretty well. And so as a potential client, it's, yeah, if you charge a decent price, you can effectively drive users. I'm satisfied with ROI. I don't really care who it is as long as you're a relatively you know, amenable individual to talk to you know, once a month. So that's sort of what I re- mean in regards to a, a commodities. A lot of people do it. A lot of people do it well. And there's relatively low difference, at least in the eyes of the consumer, in regards to the final product. Uh, ironically, your your new offering uh, is also what helps create commodities. So the more things are automated, uh, 
And the lower the perception of the expertise, the faster the market can start asking for something to be a, a commodity and expecting that standardization. So maybe there's a reason why you aligned on, uh, on that as a, a possibility. You, you had said uh, it was a full agency and then you moved over to you know, a, a focus for, for SEO and Google ads. What, what, what prompted that uh, change of focus? Sure. It was really because we had the best results in SEO and therefore we were able to charge more. The more money we were making via that particular product offering, the more we had to invest in it. And it was a little bit of a snowball effect where it was just the most profitable um, service offering that we were able to provide. We are actually in a long-term uh, strategy planning on expanding our product offering yet again, because it's the easiest way to up monthly retainers. But at our current moment, uh, centralizing and being really focused was the best way to in, um, increase revenue at that point. Mm -hmm. and so, yeah. go ahead. And and your uh, you had said the inbound and referral, you, you you were focused on that, and then now you're looking to outbound. Is it because there isn't enough coming in from referrals and otherwise, or was uh, was there a thought that you should be? It, it's not really controllable. You know, you can wait for inbound, you can wait referrals, but outbound is a lever in which you can say, hey, I'm going to bust out 50 hours this week in sales and I'm going to generate three new discovery calls or 10 new discovery calls or whatever it may be. And so it's the only lever that you can very aggressively pull versus something like inbound or referrals. But is there, was something other than the fact that you could be doing it, driving it? Like, so... In other words, were, were you finding the other streams not sufficient? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's an easier way of answering it. Yes. And I have a quick one. So before we start getting into the meat of, okay, how do we maybe address some of the outbound challenges or the commodity aspects? Why are you trying to grow right now? Um, and what I mean by that is everyone could say, well, that's kind of like a, and obvious, like every business is trying to grow. But I guess for you, you know, what are your personal or what is it, the mission alignment to, to say like, hey, we want to keep growing or I need more clients right now? Like what's the, what's the backdrop there? It's an excellent question. Perhaps it's ambition, not in regards to exclusively making more money, but increasing influence. You know, we've done a, just to give you a quick example, We've done a really good job of upskilling our employees. Our first um, employee was making, I think, like $10 an hour. We brought him on. Three years later, he's got a $110,000 um, annual job. And that's because we were able to take him, develop him. Um, another person was selling shoes. He worked with us for as an intern, literally just for three months, got him plugged in with a um, partner company. Now he has a master's degree in data science and works at a top consulting firm here in Richmond. And so that's just one example of increasing your reach with, with more employees gives you the ability to more um, greatly impact people positively um, versus you know if you're a, a smaller agency, your reach and influence and impact is limited. Mm -hmm. See, and that I think is worth spending a few minutes on because especially when you're talking about selling commodity products, the mission and the alignment of the company and what energy you're pulling in matters, right? And when I say that is like, if I was selling toilet paper or paper towels or something like that, like something that is a true commodity product, you know, if my mission 
And this is a good thing for you to think about. If my mission was, I really want to bring in, I want to make this a good business so I can cultivate people, kind of like we were just describing, or like your mission as a company is to be able to, when you talk about influence, influence to what? Do I want to have an impact in my local community? Do I want to be able to you know, help a certain kind of person in a certain stage of their career? Because the reason I say that is it's the start of a differentiating uh, factor for a commodity product. Because a lot of like, I can even think of um, the company who gives a crap. I think it's what it's called when we're talking about toilet paper. It just came up, but they do a toilet paper company, but they have a mission for sustainability and they do bamboo, but they kind of went that route because their mission first was how can we be more environmentally, you know, aligned with a very commodity product. So that's just a very simple use case of, you know, where this kind of thinking goes. But if you're thinking, well, what's my differentiator? It's a very stable product. I think the first question is, what is my mission? What am I trying to accomplish? Because like you said, I think it is very important to say, well, it's not just because I want to make more money or I just want to grow for the sake of growth. Your commodity revenue stream, if we can call it a commodity, is trying to contribute to something. And I think that's starting to give it a flavor already. So, you know, you kind of said influence, but does that sound, I guess, do you do you and your team, do you have like a mission besides to say offer SEO products or or maybe to give us a little bit more background about what you're feeling in that space? Yeah. So I, I think in general, and this is a little bit perhaps vague, but it is to positively impact our clients and our employees um, at some point, perhaps our community as well. But we've done pro bono work with nonprofits, for example, um, doing additional work outside of our SOWs for our clients, because at the end of the day, we frankly care about them. And a lot of them have been burned by previous agencies. Um, I already mentioned, you know, upskilling and, and paying our employees well. Um, so in regards to something like Patagonia or the toilet paper company that you referenced, there isn't something crystallized like that. Maybe that would be a good starting point. Um, but there definitely is a philanthropic edge to, to me as well as my employees. Because this really gets to the heart of you, the opening question is, you know, how do you sell a commodity? And I would generally advise don't sell a commodity because a commodity means it's already been defined and other forces beyond you are in complete control of what the market is. So what you want to sell, or let me say it differently, you have to really know what it is you're selling. So if you say I'm selling a commodity, you've already defined it, you've limited it. But what Sam's talking about having a mission or having any element or differentiator uh, beyond the commodity is how you start getting to the heart of both what you're driving for as a company, but also what you're actually selling. So I guess I'll put that question there. What, when, you, when you're thinking that, you know, of just the SEO part as, as what you're selling, what, what are you selling? Yeah. Are you selling a result? Are you selling a, like, what is it that you're selling? I mean, ideally selling uh, an increase in revenue. We're not selling organic users. We're not even necessarily selling conversions. We're helping companies generate more revenue, add to their bottom line. Ideally, that's what we're selling and, and hopefully can, you know, clients are receiving. So you think, think about how more, much more less of a box that puts you in. You know, if, you're, if you're helping entities create more value for themselves, that's a lot different than selling SEO. Obviously, it sounds it's a very uh, subtle difference, but it starts getting to what I, I think Sam was going at, which is your differentiator is in fact what your mission is. So yeah. just I'll pause there because it's uh, 
we'll go through a lot more, of course, but it, this is a very important uh, element of the conversation. Yeah, the so work, the, the, the work, and I'll add one more thought and then for you, for you to reflect on, because like we're coalescing on this idea that the work of differentiating commodity is the experience, is the, is the reason behind it. Um, because now in the market, it's actually such a, it is a bigger thing where commodities are still being sold. Companies are still entering commodity spaces, but you know, the idea is not, how do I change the SEO service? Cause like you said, it's already well-documented. It's kind of, you know, when I'm looking and I'm maybe you've had similar experiences. If I'm at the grocery store, for instance, I'm looking at products on the shelf, it could be the same product in three boxes, but what I'm being sold on sometimes is the, where's that money going to whom is it going and what are they doing with it? Because you know that commodity companies, they've got their costs under control and they probably have a solid business model if they're out in front of you selling product. So it's really as a consumer now, the name of the game is, why am I picking you as the person I'm going to give this profit to versus one of your competitors? So like when you think about it, that's what you're differentiating. That's what you need to define. It's the real work. But it seems counterintuitive because it has nothing to do with the product. It's why would I, why would I care to give you the money versus somebody else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Sorry. No, Sorry no, it's a, Tobias, this is your show. Go. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a verbal processor. And so this conversation has been very helpful just because it's got my gears turning a little bit. I wonder if the question is wrong. Perhaps the question should not be how to differentiate a commodity. Perhaps the question is how to create a competitive advantage. And I, I think of Marlboro Red as an example. Cigarettes are actually a commodity. Marlboro, though, has differentiated their products via individual brands. For example, they have Parliament. It's an $8 pack cigarette. They have Marlboro Red, which is a mid-tier, about $5, $6. And then they have a discount brand, Paul Mall. Don't tell them this, but it's the exact same quality of tobacco. It's that there are some people, certain customer demographics that want to spend $8 on a pack of cigarettes and some that want to spend three. I'm also thinking of um, product placement. Marlboro has used um, different discount strategies and relationships with you know, companies like you know, Wawa and, and various gas stations that say, hey, we're going to give you very specific discounts on different products if you don't have um, new ports in this particular section. You know, and we need to have front and center and you have to use these types of packages front and center. And so someone like Marlboro has created or manufactured segments and created a competitive advantage using different things, they haven't actually tried to create differentiation within their tobacco. So I, I would just replace that word differentiation with value because what, what you're talking about with, uh, with what uh, Marlboro is doing or any, anyone who's selling a commodity just through the process of marketing, they're not actually creating additional value. They're creating the perception of the value. And that's, you know, you could have a strategy for that, of course. But the reason we started with mission is because mission adds value if there is something you're actually adding. So if you could think of anytime you're selling, if, if something's be started to become a commodity, the question becomes, what additional value are you bringing to the table? What, so it's not so much just a differentiator because differentiator could be packaging you know, like, or something like that. But you want to think about it in terms of actual value for the customer that would make you yourself say they should buy, you know, they should buy from me instead of a competitor. And so, like those are the kind of things that you want to be looking for because that'll be much more sustainable in the long term. Yeah, and, yeah. and like you, brand, you know, I want like, more one more thing to that. 
because sure. you you started to describe it, I think, very aptly. And Jonathan, you know, is helping forge that into the value prop. But the one thing I want to add is you don't need to manufacture it. So like Marlboro uh, is actually, we're talking about manufacturing it and you're speaking about it very mechanically. What I would add on to it is our advisement, especially from a conscious business perspective is you actually have a very, I think, attractive story and mission that you're kind of cultivating and that you're bringing up, be authentic. So like what Jonathan's saying is you need to differentiate in the value you offer and the experience and the entire thing, but start with what are you actually trying to do? Because I think Tobias, from what you've described, you're doing a good thing. You want to have good client experiences. You want to do right for your, your people and your community. And that in itself is a good starting point for what, how do you differentiate your value proposition? How do you differentiate the entire experience of working with you versus somebody else? And who is your market that wants to play in that space? I think that jumping on, well, first off, I think we need to define value to a certain degree. So for example, Jonathan, you mentioned value um, and then you mentioned the difference between packaging and there's value in having a Marlboro red package because there's perception, you know, and so that's a way of creating value for sure. I also think that when you get to a certain scale, I think of Patagonia as sort of being the forerunner in um, a mission-based organization, and they do a really good job. And I think there's probably a fair number of people that purchase it because they want to support the vision. It's, I think it's difficult to communicate that, especially on a outbound sales campaign for a smaller company without a super established brand, because brand is something that takes a really long time and a lot of touch points to cultivate. Yeah. And so in my personal opinion, or my gut reaction is that A, companies are probably not wicked concerned about hiring a marketing firm based on their mission vision, you know, because a lot of it's just a plaque. It's just mm-hmm. like, yo, dude, what's your case studies and how much do you charge? Um, and then, so that's the first thing is that I'm not even confident that they do care as much, at least on the smaller scale. And then two, I think it takes a long time to cultivate, which is hard to communicate with an outbound sales campaign. So let's, let's make it more practical. The mission is just packaging if it's in fact just like the packaging from Marlboro Red. So when we're saying adding value, or and let, let, let's just say add something that the customer is actually getting beyond their perception that is in actually giving them more value. So let's say you're competing with much larger players, and you you're you're coming to them and saying we can give you more uh, attention because we're we're smaller. We're going to just focus on your business. If you could articulate, in fact, a service or a way in which they're getting more attention than they would otherwise get, that's valuable. Like, in other words, that's then a conversation, you know, that, that, that actually then is giving the client something other than just packaging, if that makes sense. So, and it would pervade what you're selling, how you're selling it, and to whom you're selling. And those are always the three, you know, those are the three levers we're going to, you know, we, we want to consider when we're talking about the the, um, the especially if you're starting from the uh, starting point of a commodity. So what you're selling, it has to be beyond just the SEO because there's no differentiator. We like to think of it as starting with what your mission is, if it's in fact a mission, if it's in fact something you want to do, not you know not just a slogan, then it's something that we would recommend you're you're basing it on because that's going to give you energy and passion to to continue you know, through whatever challenges might come, you know, your way. If it's just because this is things that different people have tried, 
it may or may not be successful, but you have no measure against it because you're not trying for something any broader. So even if it's an accident that grows sales or something otherwise, it's not driving your energy in a in, in a straight line somewhere. It's not scalable. It's not authentic. Right. So, but but keeping keeping even just with the with the tactical of like adding value, who to whom are you selling your services? Uh I mean, are you referencing the target demographic? Are you referencing mm-hmm. the title or a ephemeral if- kind of? No, no, that, that's exactly like I'm trying to understand how how uh, how segmented, you, you know, you've made your your focus. Sure. It's relatively industry agnostic, but our temer, we tend to segmentize based on two things. One is company size. So typically 50 FTEs doing between five and 10 million. That's one thing. And then the second thing is we avoid highly technical industries because it's very difficult to write content around. Um, and so those are sort of the two primary uh, ways in which we, you know, segment our target demographic. And is there something specific that you can offer because you're focused on specializing in those demographics distinct from your competitors? Yeah, the reason is because it that seems to be the sweet spot between our capacity based on our product offering and then revenue. Firms that are, are, excuse me, companies that are larger than that are typically looking for a full-fledged agency that can handle social media, website, and organic, among other things. Companies that are a little bit on the smaller side, at that point, they're like, okay, but we really want to focus on SEM. Maybe we'll do a couple of Facebook posts internal. So that's predominantly why we focus on that segment size. But is there something specific you can give that group of people? Like, so in other words, they're, they're, you're saying that it's based on like what they could purchase from you, but is there something specific that you can give to that group? So I've had a lot of conversations with various people about sales. Um, one of them worked at a sales consulting firm. Now he's at Accenture and he was a personal mentor of mine for a few months as we built out sales campaigns. And he has the very same questions. and there wasn't much fruit to the engagement. Um, and I think he, he was actually the first one that said, yo, dude, this is a commodity. And so I can let you know what I have decided to do. And you can let me know if you think it's smart or not. Instead of trying to provide a unique value prop to that particular segment, mm-hmm. what I've decided to do is launch a additional vertical, no code automation, which now gives me the ability to say, hey, we will fill, fill your pipeline with qualified leads at the same time, we'll increase capacity by automating the flow from, hey, this is a brand new user to uh, a signed deal, and then even theoretically onboarding the next customer. So that's a unique value prop because we're adding an additional service. Within the same overall service. So it's not a new vertical. Like, so in other words, it's a, you're automating something, you're automating delivery of something or automating, like, in other words, you're automating what you're currently doing or how the the client receives it or I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to understand like, cause you actually in the same breath, it sounded to me like you were saying like, there is no differentiator. Like you're talking about something you could do to differentiate the service. Um, it's, a new, it's like a part of a, from what I heard, it's like a new product, right? Tobias, where you're offering essentially an add-on product that says once you've, uh, well, it's actually like when he says new vertical, it's like a totally different product. I don't think Jonathan has anything to do with him deploying his SEO. It's just like a, 
you're basically going into a different kind of consultative service and configuration service, right? Yeah. But for marketing, it doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be exclusively for the um, sales pipeline. For example, we have conversations with various law firms about automating time tracking. Oh, and- okay. So. Yeah. 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 So it's just basically adding a new product. And then, you know, I do think though, that adding new products can and bundling them can be a way <laughs> to change, you know, uh, it doesn't change the commodity, but it, it creates a new product offering, like we we're saying. But but I'd, I'd like to, if, if you'd indulge me, I'll take like a slightly different tack. If we take a few steps back, as you were asking, well, let's define value for a second. And hopefully this will make it um, maybe a little more understandable. And because like, because I hear I hear your comments about, well, the mission thing sounds nice, but like you can't sell a mission. It takes many years to build and, that, and you know, this and this. And I can understand that argument. But really value, at least the way we think about it is it's just the difference. So value equals benefits minus cost. So if you break it down into that model, what you're selling is benefits and then you know there's a cost to it and some of this is subjective right to the who you're selling to but the idea is value is, is the difference you always want to be achieve, like receiving more benefits than you're paying in hard money for them so the question of benefits then is something that you can break down more mechanically or you know more scientifically which is what are the actual benefits that i tobias and my company is selling because when you talk about a commodity product as an SEO, let's say the SEO product is your commodity. If I'm selling that, you kind of mentioned earlier, you're not selling the actual, the benefit is not actually getting the SEO done. Most companies don't care about getting blogs written and their links and all these things in the back end. You're selling top line. Top line growth or the potential for top line growth is your benefit. But that doesn't have to be the only benefit. The thing is, when you think about the product as the actual service being rendered or the physical mechanicals of it, you're not considering, that's what we mean when you focus on the value creation, what Jonathan and I are talking about, because you're not focusing on what is the sum benefit, because the benefits could be working with you. And it doesn't have to be, when we talk about mission, a benefit doesn't have to be, you know, <laughs> that you have an identifiable brand. It could be that in your outbound marketing email, you say, here at our company, we take care of our people and we, we do, you know, the pro bono work, we do philanthropy. That's a benefit for the right consumer. Like even reading that in the first email, that can be a benefit. It can be a moral. It can be a spiritual benefit. It can be a differentiator as simple as that. It doesn't rely on you having an established brand name or like years of like going out in the world and executing on this sort of lofty mission yeah. statement. It's really what are all the some benefits that you can actually offer and what are they paying? Because they're paying for SEO, but there's a lot of different things you could say as a benefit to working with you versus somebody else. And I think that's that's really what we're trying to articulate. And it, it, it doesn't even have to be something like that you would think of as a traditional mission, like in terms of helping the environment or something like that. It could be you're the anti-cog in the wheel. Like, so in other words, like that, that was, that sounded like when you talk about that, that journey you go on, that that's very authentic. It resonates with a lot of people. So how could that express itself in the work that you're doing? Like SEO can just become another, like everyone working on it, you know, could be associated with just another cog in the wheel, especially now that it's, you know, more commoditized as a service. But is there something you could do that liberates, you know, liberates people on some level? And I know this is very uh, theoretic, uh, theoretic right now, but the, even hearing the, the jump to a new vertical, it's, it's only a matter of time be, before almost any product or service becomes commoditized. As information goes up, as uh, as everything accelerates, as consumers are much have much more access to information, et cetera, it, it's yeah, it's it's only a matter of time. It doesn't matter what it is, and it doesn't matter how what level of expertise exists. 
So the question then becomes, if, if it's just the service and it's an identifiable service at that, then it really becomes hard for you to ultimately deliver something or articulate something that's, uh, um, that's sustainably compelling. But if, the, if it's driven around something that you're trying to accomplish or something that you're giving you know, to the market or a benefit, it becomes a lot clearer how you might connect the dots and, and, and how this pivot might be more beneficial than that pivot, et cetera. Something experiential, yeah. So I don't know if that makes, if, if, if any of that uh, um, is resonating, but like, as an example, when I hear, you know, low code automation, if that's an interest, if that's a capability, then SEO or the whole process around it screams, like maybe there are things in the around marketing, especially the, the target demographic that you have that can't afford, you know, the whole end-to-end services that could be purchased. Um, maybe there's something that you could do there that would give them the benefit and democratize, you know, the kind of services people have to buy outside of marketing. So I don't want to get too deep into like, you know, thinking this through, but it helps becoming your, become your North Star so you can make decisions on these verticals and how to sell and how to differentiate, et cetera, as opposed to thinking of all those things as add-ons. Yeah, I like where you're going with this, but I almost think perhaps taking it one step further in approaching almost an, a systems engineering approach, which is outscoping. You know, so the initial question was, how do I differentiate a product for an outbound sales campaign? Like that was the ask, that was the problem. And then, you know, the reality is like, why did I ask that question? You know, and I'm thinking to myself now, as you're talking about a little bit more of an outscope perspective, it's because I want to, you know, build my business. It's like, okay, well, why do I want to build my business? Well, I want to be able to increase my positive impact in the world. All right, why do I want to do that? You know, the whole five whys. You know, you know, maybe it's, yo, bro, shut down the business and join a nonprofit and continue to do automation work <laughs> on a nonprofit. You know, I mean, I'm joking, actually. I, I have no interest in doing that. But the point, though, is like, and, uh, and so I'm going to go a couple of steps, you know, actually further in. I'm beginning to think that outbound sales actually isn't the way to do um, sell SEO. And because here's the thing, if you need SEO, then you need SEO. And if you don't need it, you're not going to invest in it. In my opinion, that's been my experience selling it. So for example, I'm going to the dentist later on today. If I got an email from someone that said, hey, do you need to go to the dentist after I'd already gone to the dentist? I wouldn't open the email. I wouldn't respond at all because no, I don't need it. If it said that, hey, we really care about X, we give X amount of money, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go to the dentist because I don't need it. If I do need it and it's a relatively professional email and good website, Sure, I'll contact them because I need it. So perhaps display ads is even better, you know, or maybe networking groups. But spending a ton of time to craft a great message to a single point of contact without having known if they actually need SEO is perhaps a, a futile endeavor. Unless you knew the differentiators. So let's say the same thing from the dentist said, guaranteed white teeth, or guaranteed you won't have you won't ever get a cavity. Like in other words, like in other words, so like it's 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 self-defining to say outbound and commodity because already both, you know, together imply you're right. Nobody would ever respond to that campaign. But if you're starting it from the value, then almost anything is possible. Yeah. And and I, I generally, I generally agree with what you said, but to Jonathan's point too, I would not underestimate 
the value of if you are trying to do outbound. So like this is now separate. So like I would almost agree that it's a good epiphany to think like outbound sales might not be the right thing for you because like everything has to be in alignment of what you're trying to achieve. And, you know, does that even make sense? So I think that's a great realization through conversation. But I also don't want you to be down on the fact that sometimes things like if I got a message from the dentist example you were crafting, for instance, that said, hey, come to me because I actually do donate 20% to you know, water conservation or we're a clinic that actually uses less water. If environmental awareness or conservancy is a benefit to me, even if I didn't need it at that time, I would consider switching for my next appointment or I would consider it for my next business that needed SEO or, you know what I mean? So I just don't want you to think, even though it's kind of unrelated, I don't want you to walk away from that logic and think down on the fact that there are benefits that you can offer, even in your very first contacts with people that act as a very compelling differentiator. And even if the service is not at that time, it, it might not be the thing that you're trying to cultivate a network of people that consider you over others. And that's very powerful. Yeah, I agree. I don't disagree with that statement by any means. And as a general matter, if you can answer, if you can't answer the question of why someone should select your service over someone else's, and again, not from a packaging perspective, but in your bones, like something that they're getting that they otherwise wouldn't get, it's hard to manufacture that in a in a in outbound or you know on any level. Like referral means you're doing great service, you know. So, but then maybe you look into like if a hundred percent of our customers refer. You're like okay, now that starts you know getting to certain value. Like you, you, you won't you won't go you know step one without making sure that all existing customers are in great shape, you know, or something like that. But again, it's like I think we keep driving around the same idea of what's the value that you're giving you know to the market that is distinct, and it could be in how it's being delivered. It could be you know to whom it's being delivered. It could like it doesn't have to just be the product itself. You know, it could be an easier way to consume SEO. It could be a way to um, really bring transparency to what the results are, you know, that other competitors might not share. You know, there's a lot of dimensions to how to distinguish the things beyond the commodity. But it, yeah. it shouldn't start with trying to find those necessarily. It should always start with what are you actually trying to deliver and then go from there. Because yeah. again, that'll be a lot more sustainable and more cohesive. Yeah. And, and further though, the punchline, since you open it up yourself is when you do all the things Jonathan is just saying, and you get all the elements in alignment and you figure out usually outbound sales doesn't even need to be part of that strategy. Exactly. And I think that's, the, that's the big punchline that you're kind of, you're kind of walking into as part of the conversation. But I would even go as far as to say, from a conscious business perspective, outbound strategy or just like shotgun spraying the market and like trying to find matches is kind of an outdated mode of customer acquisition. If you have alignment and you understand your differentiators, you understand your authentic purpose and what you're trying to do and what makes you excited about your business, referral and inbound and organic growth and community-centric organic growth is sets the pace of your growth. And that will be the sustainable pace in which you should grow, if that makes sense. Like Mechanically speaking, if you're trying to put your growth trajectory at a higher velocity through mechanical or manufactured means, it's typically lower ROI than just focusing on the rate at which your, your personal garden, let's say, to kind of collapse it all into one term, is growing. Like you can throw fertilizer all over it and you can really try to accelerate. And that's kind of the analog of what usually outbound strategy is, which is like, how can I take money and just try to convert it to additional revenue? But typically it doesn't end up becoming a sustainable strategy. Turning inward and defining some of the things we're talking about and focusing on sort of developing the, the the community that you have is typically 
uh, the way to achieve sustainable business growth. Yeah, and I agree. And I think it's multiplicative. You know, if each person within your tribe, if you would, brings in one additional person each year, if you have 100,000 people, that's a much greater growth rate, you know, than if you have one person in your tribe. That said, outbound is sort of a one-to-one. You know, if it costs you $5 to get a lead, it doesn't matter if you have a thousand people in your tribe or one person in your tribe, it's still going to cost you $5. So it's a, it's not a multiplicative um, type graph. So I think that might be why outbound is perhaps more effective in the beginning for smaller businesses. And then as you get that inflection point, I'm thinking of Seth Godin, for example, you know, yep, yep. those are the types of people that no longer need to do outbound because they've got such a multiplicative presence. Yeah. And you also, as you grow, you know who you are, like as you start to get some momentum and you get a few years under your belt. And like you said, you've got actual revenue coming in, you have people, your identity as a company becomes something you become a unique business and every business is unique because of the people in it and the different things. And if I could kind of step out of my therapy hat and give you some direct sort of uh, advisement from, from my side is I think you actually have a very compelling, you know, authentic thing that you're trying to do. And like, I can tell how analytical you are, which makes you, I assume, very excellent at your job, but don't be afraid to lean into what your company is trying to do, which is like, if you actually just want to help your people and your community and develop people and develop like the money that you make through your services is really just a, a means to an end. And don't be afraid to talk about that with people, to talk about, you know, how you're trying to help and what you're trying to do and create a positive impact on the world. It's, I think it's a very positive thing. And if SEO is the thing you're doing today to help you achieve that, that's fine. You're going to be connecting with customers that need the SEO and want to help you with your mission, but it could be low code automation or like a new cons- consultative offering tomorrow. It doesn't, it doesn't matter when you've got your focus in the right place and you're more open about what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. I mean, it's well said. And then the, take uh, that for a moment. <laughs> I think it's one and the same, but uh, the, the why's that you were asking like uh, that's the key from, from my perspective. So saying like, why do I want this outbound, uh, you know, channel? That's the key. As long as you keep uh, your, your eye on that object, on what the objective is, as opposed to checking boxes, like I'm supposed to do this, supposed to do that. You're much more likely to have uh, ROI in any, any of your activity. Um, but I do think that asking the why, even to the higher level, like, why am I doing this period? That's a difference between consuming all the, incredible energy you have uh, at the earlier stages of a career uh, from why it, why it ends up in midlife crisis for so many people. And so actually a majority of people, it's because they don't ask that early on. So use, when you use all your energy just to succeed and, and grow and grow and grow, you like you could survive a pivot of I'm an SEO company and now I have to scale and get the skill set for an automation company and, you know, et cetera. That's a lot, a lot of energy. Uh, you know, to create a whole new product offering. You don't see it as such because you're very driven, but you go through enough of those. And let's say some things work out well, some things don't work out well. If you know your why, you're much more likely to to get through all those ups and downs in a very, very, uh, in a way that you stay whole and and satisfied. So I do think that that asking those whys like that um, is very, very beneficial, not just to figuring out how to differentiate, but uh, to, to generally for, for a career. Sure. I mean, that's also well said. 
Well, we've been throwing a lot at you, Tobias. How are you feeling uh, about the session? And what are the last burning questions for us before we start to, to close up here? I have uh, a thought to ponder in regards to um, business as a whole, because I think that there may be a disconnect because I'm thinking, I think everything that you've said um, is true and, and it does resonate. It reminds me a lot of uh, what Jim Collins writes about in Good to Great and then Built to Last. And, you know, he studied tons of companies over 10 years. And so it would make sense to listen to what he said. And there's a lot of senator, um, comparisons, but I think that there may be a disconnect between that sentiment and tactical application for smaller businesses. And it makes me wonder what is that bridge and how's that bridge needing to be gapped in order for this to actually permeate um, effectively and in a way that's actually helpful for smaller businesses. Um, because I, I have done a little bit of this, I feel like in the past, and at the end of the day, it just didn't seem to um, generate the results as quickly as I would have expected. And maybe that's because it was executed incorrectly. You know, maybe that's on me and my team because the sentiment seemed to be true. And so it makes me wonder what, how can someone in the field bridge the gap between this valuable concept to actual day-to-day -day application for small businesses? Yeah. Yeah, that's great reflection and, and feedback uh, for the advice you're getting right now. And what I would say is I do believe that it's very easy. Well, not easy. I shouldn't, I shouldn't kind of color it that way. I think it's very practical and we could even help you in a future session or maybe even offline talk about what is the practical or tactical way to make that work because a larger company in a lot of ways is nothing more than a successfully scaled smaller business. I want you to be confident in that all the aspects we're talking about and the execution of them should apply to a small business if it will ever become a successful large business. There's no, uh, there, there's this, in the way you're talking, there's this presumption that well, certain tools or theories or philosophies and application can only be unlocked at a certain size or scale. And I can tell you from our at least professional perspective, we don't hold that to be true. So I do believe there's definitely opportunity and maybe 45 minutes is a bit compressed to really get into the tactical, but I'm confident, um, and we would extend ourselves after the session to, to help you so we can continue to talk about that, um, you know, certainly offline. But I want you to know that I think it's a really successful outcome that you, like you're saying, you're connecting the dots, that it's you're open to the idea that some of these things have value. And it's okay to say, I'm not seeing a practical application of how I'm going to do it um, in my small business yet. But I think the first thing is you almost, when you're in that mind state, having a little faith that these things do apply to your scale and they can be applied. And it's just a matter of understanding the application and context um, is a really great first step. Um, because if you don't have that, that sort of openness mentally to it, then you're going to kind of always stumble away from it and try to find other easier, uh, accessible or more tactical solutions. And, and like, you know, we, and I guess like I, I would say maybe like you were referencing Jim Collins, um, stick to, stick to the things that, that are, are proven out and we just need to figure out how to contextualize them for you. And, and if anything, I think that's a great outcome to pursue. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have my team watch this and I'm going to rewatch it. And ideally this will be a, a source of conversation, you know? And so um, I did take away some, some thoughts to chew on at the very least. It's great. And I would, and a, a way that I've seen people uh, make that uh, jump is by starting with all these questions of how can I benefit the market more? How can I add more value to customers or to the people in my team? And, and as 
tact as, as actionable and practical as you can get in that conversation, it's going to help everything else that we just spoke about because it takes yourself out of your own context. And it's not just about how to grow a business or how to increase uh, sales. It's how to actually create. And that's the, and that, that's really where you start a, a solid mindful journey as a, as an, or, as an, as an entity. Yeah. Well, with that, thank you, Tobias, for coming on and for honest conversation really engaging with us. Uh, it's been it's been really fun for us also. So for all the listeners, if you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. And if you or anyone you know would like to come on the show, uh, we'd also love that. Love that too. So until then, thanks again, Tobias, and have a great week, everyone.